collective power. We are out to transform trauma system-wide by presenting a mirror of the system to itself. Each month, we focus on one system, and each episode, we focus on one person's experience and their angle. At the end of each month, we bring all those angles together to reveal a new big picture. Stay with us to discover our collective power and what's possible for our city, for our country, and our world. I am Dr. Rita Fierro, and I am your host. Good morning. Thank you for being present to another episode of Collective Power. How are you doing this morning, Fatima? I'm good this morning, Rita. I'm going to say I'm here, Rita. Well, thank you for being here. So, Dr. Fatima Hafiz, you were our guest for our episode on community healing. We have Katie Boone with us as well, who is good morning, Katie. Good morning. Beautiful. I hear you ladies well. And so Katie was our guest last week, which as was our episode on systems healing. What we do at Collective Power is that every month we choose a theme and every week we focus on one person's experience that is an aspect of that theme. And then the last week we kind of roll it all together to see what we can create next. And so today is officially the first last week of the month show. The topics we had this month were uh, personal healing, family healing, racial healing, community healing, and system healing. So we're going to talk today about how all of those aspects get woven together and how they all show up at the same time or at different times. So thank you, Dr. Fatima Hafiz, and thank you, Katie for being with us today. I think what I'd like to start with is just like some really quick personal introductions. Dr. Fatima, tell us a little bit more about yourself, just so listeners can get a feel of who you are. Thank you, Rita. Thank you for inviting me back to just kind of pull things together. My name is Fatima Hafiz. I want to introduce myself by way of saying that I'm this human being being on this human being on this planet and have had life experience every day there is a new uh, way to see myself and I thrive on being authentic with where I am in the moment because healing takes place for me when we are able to share ourselves as we are in the moment in the now I want to introduce myself by way of a poem, if that's okay. Poem is called The Guest House, and it's by uh, Rumi. And Rumi was 13th, 12th century poet. And this poem is, This Being Human is a Guest House. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor welcome and entertain them all, even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house, empty of his furniture. Still treat each guest honorably. 
He may be clearing you out for some new delight. The dark thought, the shame, the malice, meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. And that's a poem by Jalaluddin Rumi. So I wanna thank you, Rita, for allowing me to do that because it helps me to clear uh, and be with the guests that's in my house today. Thank you, Dr. Fatima. So next I'd like to ask Katie to introduce yourself. It's good to be back. And I always think about how to introduce myself in these ways of thinking about the places I come from and belong to. And so I'm Katie Boone. I was born in a river gorge and grew up in a river valley. And my home is a little place called Mankato, Minnesota. And I am a process artist, integrated practitioner. There's a lot of language and words you can put on what I do. My full-time work is as an innovation manager at the Future Services Institute at the Humphrey School of Public Affairs, located in the University of Minnesota. Thank you, Katie. I'm actually going to introduce myself as well. So I'm Dr. Rita Fierro. I go by intellectual artist because art is a big part of who I am and making art in all sorts of ways and also a way of kind of relating to the world that means paying attention to the details and the nuances of life. And at the same time, I'm an intellectual, I'm a data geek, I'm a bookworm. So I kind of have bring both of those aspects in me. I'm the founder of my own consulting firm. And so I'm an organizational development consultant and an evaluator. And I've been writing a book on mothers who lost their children to foster care for the past well, 20 years of research, 10 years writing the book. And as a result of that, I've co-founded a national coalition called Home for Good with Katie Boone, who's on the call today. And so I'm also like the president of Home for Good, which is this national coalition that is really ramping up that we've incubated for the past six years. And so, and I'm also a Reiki teacher. And so I bring to the show and to our conversations different aspects of life. A lot of them, as Dr. Fatima was saying in the beginning, is like personal healing and personal path. And then there's kind of an understanding of the world having coming from a bunch of other places, um, one of which is dealing with a lot of organizations and getting an opportunity to see where organizations struggle or what organizations can achieve. That's a little bit about me. Why don't we start with just like definitions of healing? So I asked each of you this question at your particular radio show. Like, how would you define healing? I think for me, the definition of healing has to do with our ability to know that there's some spaces that feel like there's a void and that there is something present that doesn't sit well with our relationship to others, to ourselves, to planet, and that it requires something to even accept that there's a need for healing. I think it's just part of the human experience of having pain or going through what we have labeled as pain and experiencing suffering. A friend of mine said, pain is inevitable, but suffering is optional. And I think that is really relieving the suffering, whether it's our own individual suffering or the suffering of our loved ones or the suffering 
of our communities, suffering in the world, suffering of the planet, to be in the space of relieving suffering as a way of being in the world. And that is happening all the time. It's not like we clean it up. It's like, it's not like oh, all of a sudden I'm healed. I mean, it is all of a sudden I'm healed, but at the same time, there's this next moment, this next moment and how we enter into that next moment. And I think we just are not aware sometimes of how we're entering the next moment, even after we experience a sense of healing. And I know that my definition is not cut and clear with regards to a defined uh, set of words to say, oh, this is the definition of healing. This is what I'm offering as that. Thank you, Fatima. Katie, how about you? I think I've noticed around healing, um, both from personal through the work, different groups, organizations, communities, systems. I think for for me, if I had to put it into words, it's healing is you can only go so far in doing it by yourself. <laughs> healing is a process that brings in sense of wholeness, belonging, togetherness. Healing is, I think in the radio show last week, I had talked about this pine cone story. Um, and to just keep it very short and sweet, the, the pine cone is basically only able to release its seeds through the fire. The ash of the old growth becomes the fertile soil for the new growth. And I think of healing as a, a kind of natural system and process that's a living thing that we go through um, when it comes to healing. I think there's always more. There's always more. And it doesn't mean that there's always more ongoing suffering and more healing work to do for yourself and individually and then as a community or as an organization group or system it just means that there's just this ongoing process so you heal one level and layer of things and more stuff shows up you heal another level and layer of things and more stuff shows up and so I think it's like I love what Fatima said about like just being really authentically present and in the moment because I think it's in the present with others and like in the togetherness and in the kind of getting rooted in in a sense of belonging in a space and a place and a time that's shared, that that's where real medicine happens. I love what, what you both shared. And I love what you said about the layers. So the layers keep changing and the layers keep coming. And sometimes it's the very same issue that we're dealing with, but we deal with it at a different level each time it shows up. So I can think of like hanging out with a with a friend of mine and this friend was going through stuff. And instead of like being able to just be compassionately listen, I went into fix it mode. And I have a promise to myself to not do that. I have a promise to myself to stop giving advice to people who don't, don't ask for it. And I did it. I did it again. And I've been working on this like consistently for at least four or five years or maybe 10. But each time it shows up, I learn something at a deeper level. And so the example that just came besides that personal example, right? There's something that came to mind for me is an expression that Wayne Dyer used to use and said, Basically, healing is sort of like this. One day, you walk down the street. There's a hole. You fall into it. You don't see the hole. And it takes you a really long time to get out. The next day, you walk down the same street. You fall in the same hole. And it takes you a little less time to, fall, to get yourself out. The third day, you walk down the street... You fall in the same hole and you go, oh, I know how to get out. And you get yourself out. 
The fourth day, you walk down the same street. You notice the hole. You walk hmm. around the hole. And you find yourself to the other side. But it sometimes takes years before we can actually choose a different street. Yeah, that's, that's a wonderful analogy around coming out. Katie, I love what you brought up about the pine cone. Interestingly enough, I learned something about the pine cone from some friends that I spent the last five or six days with. This friend spent time on reservation working with the Ute Nation out in Utah. And she explained about the pine cone and that when they were doing Sundance, um, you know, gifts that they give or, you know, they can't drink water and they would uh, give pine cones and people would eat the seeds out of the pine cone. I didn't even know that there was seeds in a pine cone that you could pull out and, and it's very hard to crack them open and that you can eat them. I mean, I eat pine nuts and I never thought about where they came from. And so it's interesting you use that analogy around the pine cone. Thank you for that because it just brought me present. Oh, beautiful. Thanks for sharing that, Fatima. I love that. And while you were talking, Juanita Robertson just joined us, who's generally tuning in from Cincinnati. But right now, Juanita is tuning in from Iowa. I love that we're kind of spread across the nation here. Juanita's tuning in from Iowa. Katie's tuning in from Minnesota and Fatima from Philadelphia. So good morning, Juanita. Good morning. I'm sorry I'm late. I got mixed up in the time difference. We're really thankful you're here. So my question for you, I'm going to ask you to jump right in since we're having a conversation about definitions of healing, and then we're going to move after that. Um, okay. So what is your definition of healing? We talked about this on extensively on our last show together. Uh-huh. Just like you to give like a brief definition, if you may, as brief as you can. Well, I think the simplest way I think that I would explain it is I would have to look at first what I view trauma as being. And to me, trauma is anytime there's an overload of the system. So any system we have, a trauma can occur when it can't take in what's what's all coming. And so then for me, healing is the reconciling of that. It's the how do you then, because the system is thrown out of whack, how do you bring that back to center? And so to me, that would be what healing would. Thank you, Anita. And I just want to add one piece to the puzzle. Yvonne Devaste, who was our guest for our personal healing episode, couldn't be with us today. But one of the dimensions of personal healing that she brought to the table as someone who had been both a family therapist and, and is a Reiki practitioner and teacher, her definition of healing revolved around bringing balance back into the system and balance being basically lowering anxiety and stress levels in the, in the body so that the body's own healing mechanisms could be revived. At the body level, all healing is self-healing, and it takes kind of lowering of the stress and anxiety for our body's own balance mechanisms to kind of kick in. So an example of that is like when you cut yourself your body knows how to coagulate its own blood, right? There, and there's the crust that's formed and so on. Of course, there's always like a risk of infection or things like that. But those are typically complications. Our body does know how to restore balance and how to bring things back into a state of harmony. 
Is there anything you all are present to, like given those different definitions? Well, one of the things I often say when people ask me kind of what I do is I say I'm the promise of forgiveness and reconciliation in the world. And that that shows up in various different forms. One, in helping to reconcile the different parts inside of ourselves, which I do in coaching often. Another is to reconcile interpersonal relationships, which sometimes happens in coaching, sometimes happens in retreats and workshops. And the other is to reconcile the the splits that show up between us and our organizations and our communities. And that, you know, through my organizational development work um, and with my concentration in integral theory and how to look at things in a more holistic way. So my work is about the healing. And I've been blessed enough to be able to coach people in five different countries to do work across the U.S. as well as in a couple of those countries. And I feel like my work changes every day. I feel like the way it looks or the way it presents itself, but it all comes down to piece of reconciling those splits in us. Wow. Thank you. Thank you, Juanita. And thank you, Kate, for asking her to introduce herself, because what you say, Juanita, is is so important of us not to find ourselves in fixed way. When Rita Ank was present for you right now, you know, before she moves on, was present for me, was in my uh, introduction of myself. I didn't talk about what I do and that kind of thing. But I did, what came up for me was this idea that relieving suffering really fits within the context of what Rita, I was on your program to talk about around community healing and part of what I was only do that uh, collectively. We can only do that together to see where the splits are, see where the divides are, to bring those together, to reconcile those. So thank you, Juanita. Katie, did you want to add something to that? So given those like ideas or definitions of healing, like what would you say are the, the biggest barriers that you encounter that get in the way of healing? And that's any level, personal, family, community, system. I would say one of the first things that comes to mind when you ask that question is fear. Like we're just so afraid to face whatever it is that we think we have to face for that healing to come. I know I've felt that myself, just not wanting to do it, knowing, oh, this is something that I need to address, but just like avoiding it because it's not fun or being afraid of what I'm going to find. I think one of the things I've learned, though, is I can be afraid and do it anyway. I love that you said that, Juanita. So thank you, Juanita, when you said fear, uh, that's something that came up for me. But what came up really was fear and trust. When we are afraid, it's difficult to trust. When we've experienced things and we don't know where to put them, that's one of the largest barriers inside of our community conversations is our ability to trust ourselves and trust each other and trust the process. I often tell clients that I'm working with, trust really has nothing to do with the other person. (laughs) I love that you said trust ourselves, because I think if we trust ourselves and whatever spirit is for us to be able to respond to anything that comes up from what we say, then we can say anything. And so that ability, I think so often we put the weight on the other. Now, that doesn't mean that I believe that there's not sometimes a need for discernment of where you take things, but it does mean that I can show up and be present and say anything to anybody if I trust that I can handle however they come to me. Thank you for that, Quinita. Katie, how about you? What barriers do you notice to healing? 
I think about like healing really has to start at that individual level. We have to be aware that there's a need for that, a necessity for us to be able to to heal from wounds or experiences or traumas. And sometimes to get to that healing process and journey is being able to ask for what you need. And I think that can be one of the hardest things for that process to begin and having the trust that you have people around you that you can ask for what you need from. Thank you, because um, sometimes I think people, especially in certain communities, the ability to ask what you need, to know what you need, and how do you get to really be clear about what you need. And in some conditions, oppressive situations that are external to the self, you're generally being told what you need. And so the process to really explore your own needs, explore what you need as an individual, as a family, as a community, just exploring really what is my need um, rather than having others to define that need for you. Thank you so much for that, Fatima. And uh, just in my reflection of what I was sharing about uh, my conversation last night. Juanita, you missed this, but I was talking about how I was with a friend and I went into struggling in the moment and I went into fix it mode, which is like giving advice, which I promised myself to stop doing. And I fell right back into it last night. The question I forgot to ask is how can I support you? And what do you need right now? Those are the questions I didn't ask. So thank you for that. So what we're interested in looking at it is how different dimensions of healing are woven together. And I think this is a good moment to just kind of define fractals. And then after this, I'm really looking forward to our discussion just being kind of more of a back and forth discussion and less of me moderating. So fractals, this concept of parallel patterns in different dimensions. And this is best seen in nature. So if you think about a fiddlehead fern that hasn't sprouted yet, a fiddlehead fern is a spiral. But as it unravels, there are also spirals within the spiral. And then if you notice within there, there are also spirals within the spiral within the spiral. And so you can see the same pattern, which is that spiral pattern, at least at three levels. And depending on how big that fern is, you may see it even at different levels further. Another example is like river patterns. Both streams and rivers have like similar patterns. They're just at different degrees. So we see this repetition of patterns in nature all the time. One of the ways that one can bring healing to systems is not so much to change people or change things, but to try to shift the pattern. So you all mentioned the barriers to healing as being like fear, trust, and asking for what one needs. Could you share like at different levels, what does that look like? Like, what does it look like at a personal level? What does it look like at an organizational level? What does it look like at a systems level? So people can get a sense of how that pattern actually replicates on different scales. One of the things, Rita, with the question for me that's hard and that I kind of struggle with is it, take, it makes this assumption that it's not all personal. And so to me, it's not any different. It shows up in the same way in the personal examples we gave about being afraid the same at work, whether it's being afraid to call in and tell your boss you're having that you really don't feel well today and can't come in. And so you go in and then you're biting everybody's head off or whether you're doing that at home with your kids when you come home from work or the healing piece, it's not any different. And I think one of the big illusions that we have is that we are compartmentalized people and that we can have one way of here, one way there, one way there, but we're not. We're whole 
people. And so if we think we're that, then that's our shadow piece. Those are the places that are unseen to us. And so to me, I would say that maybe it's because it's all about relationships, whether you're at work or whether you're in your community or whether you're with your family or whether I'm with myself. It's being able to reach out and, like Katie said, ask for what you need or being willing to say, this is what's happening to me or being willing to just stand in whatever emotion that's coming up for you in the moment. I think that's the best answer I have. Thank you, Juanita. So any other comments that would bring out how these different aspects work together? This is Fatima, Juanita. I want to say that I was getting some of what you were saying and trying to say, okay, where does these things show up? And if fractals is a complex repeating pattern and it's a miniature copy of the whole, when we think about healing and any experience we have, say on the personal level, if we are conscious and aware, we can see it at the family level, community level, human level. So like these, these complex patterns are repeats, like some miniature copy, every pattern that repeats itself. And in healing, it's like what you said earlier, Rita, about knowing that it could be the same thing that come up, but it's repeating itself, but at a different kind of level in terms of when we heal. I don't know if I'm really being articulate enough around what it is that's in my mind around question, but that's an effort. That's an effort at that. And this is Katie. And so this question of fear, trust, and asking for what you need started for me. And my experience of that was the organization reaching out and saying, this fear of the VA is never going to change but we're going to need to try and figure out how to build some relationships and do this anyways. So they were kind of, in one way, facing the fear that the system as a whole, the system with the large S, is not going to be able to move anything towards bringing EMDR to a national level. But what can we begin to do together in community as people who are providing therapeutic services and EMDR therapy to build relationships with veterans and their families to be able to help support their healing process so that they can be whole human beings again and like begin to heal some of the wounds that combat and war produces. And so when I think about the story that was shared and we take it from the experience of the organization having to reach out and ask for what they needed around how do we do this? The fear of the system's not going to change, but we know that there's a need and we're going to have to trust that we're going to follow this need and begin to figure this out to another level and pattern of that fear, trust and asking for what you need being a level of talking about mental health within the veterans community is a really big challenging task. For those that aren't familiar with how that works in the military, it's a very big stigma to have any kind of label or diagnosis because it prevents your ability to be able to continue to receive benefits, to continue to serve. And so like they avoid that label, they avoid that definition because they want to be of service in the country and, and provide fair to do. And so we had a World War II veteran come in and share his story first to a large group, a mixture of different veteran service officers that work at a county level, to VA staff that were open to exploring what this could be, um, to therapists all over the state that were trying to figure this out and wanted to form some sort of relationship and network and community of support to be able to like figure out how to do this. And so the veteran from World War II that shared his story, he had a lot of fear. It was almost like he lived his entire life without knowing that there was a healing that was needed until he lost his wife. And when he lost his wife, his children noticed, like, Dad, you're going to need to do something about this. 
And at that time, he was in his late 80s. And he was open to exploring what EMDR could be for him. So he took that step and asking for what he needed, his kids asking them what they needed from him. And he moved from a place of fear and a, to a place of trust and getting that service that helped that support. And for the first time in his life, at the ripe old age in the late 80s, he realized that he hadn't been living his life to his fullest. He had said that his his healing process allowed him to love his children and be present. And he was so grateful that he still had this time remaining to be able to, to be in that space of presence. What his story and his family's experience with him and going through his healing did was it helped kind of shine a light on like the relationships and the connections and the support that surrounded him. And the room began to kind of go into conversation together and explore, well, what's possible knowing what we know? And what do we need to do differently? And it doesn't have to be like throwing a baby out with the bathwater. It's just tiny little things that people can choose to try and do. I had a friend tell me one time that there's something in your tribe. And that really stuck out with me because it was like, oh man, like this is nuts. Like this isn't working. And like this like ability to try something new creates space for something to show up that we can't see if we don't try and so it went from this room full of amazing people really going deep into conversation, guided by stories, guided by wisdom, guided by experience, to form those relationships that then began to kind of really grow. And they really got into what it takes to begin to just have a relational network that can begin to kind of think through these things differently and each person trying one thing differently that eventually, after almost two years, led to the National VA calling that organization and saying, what are you doing in Minnesota? And is this something that you can help scale for us to begin to do a national model around? So like that one tiny little step that that organization took in calling and reaching out and asking for what they needed, that one tiny little step of the World War II veteran and his family surrounding him and them trying something different, that room that day, the first conversation we had, them all going into that and building those relationships, sharing their stories and experiences and leaving that day with the commitment to try something new led to the larger system recognizing it's time to evolve. Wow. That's the, that's the best I can offer. <laughs> that's more than the best. That is absolutely a beautiful offering. Okay, um, Rita, I just want to say, okay, thank you so much for bringing together those three things that prevent us from moving towards healing is the fear, trust, and being able to ask for what we need. And then you bringing in this example of this uh, veteran and a lot of veterans who come back. And I want to say that, yes, we each are drawn to populations, certain populations that work is needed for. And I think about the communities that I serve and the communities I'm in, that this notion of PTSD, using EMDR to focus, because I think that in communities of color, uh, particularly in the Black community and certain Black communities, that this same issue is present. They fear, the trust, they asking for what you need, being able to ask for what you need, and that there are way, things that prevent us from seeing that the healing is necessary and how to do that. And sharing stories and what Juanita said earlier about relationships. So those relationships happen early with the relationship with the self and not trusting the self and the relationship uh, that you have within your family where there are experiences and things and you can't ask for what you need because there are other things that prevent or are obstacles to that given our relationships 
with family members. And so asking for what we need is sometimes very difficult. I'd like to just say that, yeah, we have to look at various populations who have experienced these things and be in the, the sharing of the kinds of experiences that I'm t- talking about young Black people have in certain communities. And so um, sharing that story was really powerful. At 80 years old, if you can do that, what do you think you can do early once you understand that this is what's happening and that your story matter and finding ways and space, creating spaces. My uh, tagline is like from empty places to healing spaces. So it's not necessarily inside of an organization, inside of an institution, but it's in the relationships that we uh, interact with on a day-to-day basis, whether it's with our families, with our home, and being able to just own whatever it is that's happening. I would love to just share one little thing about a project that we're working on, bringing healers together all over the country so that, in fact, in communities of color who can't afford sometimes some of the techniques and modalities that are present, I don't know any insurance company will pay for EMDR or even if Medicare, Medicaid. So the healers being able to subsidize for their own living to provide these uh, extraordinary services that are healing modalities, putting together actually a database for people wherever they are to be able to find healers like yourself that are close to them and to really think how we can explore and bring experiences to communities that can't afford to get to experience or to have the opportunity to see what is possible beyond this medical establishment that does label and create places and the idea of just mental health, which is very dear to me, mental health in our community, our different communities. Just wanted to share that. I'll just piggyback a little bit on that, where you had spoken, Fatima, about in our communities where people can't always express what it is they need. Another thing I think it's good to be aware of because it can allow us to step into our own compassion is that when people can't express what they need, then often they'll try to get their needs met in all kinds of manipulative ways. And so what happens is I see happen is that people will try to get their needs met in these manipulative ways. And then there's a backlash for that instead of a compassion for this is how they've had to do it in the past. And maybe a sitting in the relationship part of that and having conversations about, okay, like you don't need to do this. This is how you can approach and we can figure it out. Yeah, this notion of manipulation. I think that sometimes it is not a conscious manipulation. I wouldn't even want to couch it in manipulation if I'm going into a space with people. That is something that occurs. But when fences can be very come up when people talk about person is manipulating that might be going on, but I don't know if it's a conscious thing. And I think that there's a discovery that happens when there's compassion. When there's compassion for people without the label, there's a discovery that can happen that they can actually own rather than just saying, well, this group or this person or that's manipulating the situation. And yeah, that happens. It does happen. But as a healer, I think if in fact, We can come from a place of compassion and listening and seeing and really supporting the shifting of the way of being. And that, I think, comes with language that we sometimes don't have to support people around that. And I agree that that is 
something that we've labeled as manipulation. I would also say that I don't view manipulation as being all negative. I think so often we hear that word and we think that it's a bad thing, but I think we do manipulation in all kinds of ways. I think when I'm in a group and I put chairs in a circle, it's a form of manipulation because I want the conversation to be in a certain way. So when I speak that word, I don't mean a negative manipulation necessarily. I love the liveliness of where we are. And I hate to do this, but we're like eight minutes from the end. So I'm going to give you each a, a moment to kind of wrap this up with some final thought. And then I'll give you a couple of minutes to see if, if you want to give us your website or a way for people to contact you. Yeah, I think that this last, this energy around our conversation is something that could be more developed and explored. And thank you, Rita, for creating the space for this. It is in this place that the energy for emergence happens. And the idea that we are defining and redefining and coming to understanding about how we interact with ourselves and with others as healers, as people we love, communities, families. We have to be very conscious of the language and how it is that we bring a particular energy and to explore it together. And that's one of the reasons that uh, we are creating this opportunity for healers to be present and create a block so that we can start to look at legislation around being able to get compensated for the work that's done. And I'm talking specifically about communities and different communities that are experiencing trauma and violence and all things that come with that. And my name is Dr. Fatima Hafiz, and my website is www.thetgroup.org. A number that we can be reached at is 610-803-1673. And thank you, Rita, and thank you, Juanita, thank you, Katie, for being in this conversation. This is Juanita, and I just think that in the times that we're in right now, we just we're such an adolescent country. And so there's such a need for healing almost everywhere we turn. And I'm just excited. I think that we've been in pain for a long time, but we didn't know it. And it seems like these days, most people, like we're in pain and people know it. And so the work has been actually easier and easier, I'm finding, to step into these places and spaces of healing with people. And just so blessed for that and for the awareness, I think that as healers, one of the things I think sometimes we're, we can be the worst at taking on our own healing and just wanting us to remember that we can't give what we don't have. And so that commitment to stepping into our own healing work is even more important than turning out and giving it to another. I'm Quanita Robertson and my website is nazuzu.com. It's www.nzuzu.com and you can reach me on there. Thank you for being in this conversation. This is Katie. So much gratitude for this time together this morning. Um, and for Rita for holding and creating the space for this. One thing I'll just talk five seconds about. I'm working on a book called The Reconciliation Journey. And it's a story about this place I come from in Mankato. If you'd like to learn more, you can go to www.reconciliationjourney.com. And if you are interested in reaching out to me in my professional work, you can find me at futureservicesinstitute.org. It's an amazing organization with an amazing team doing some pretty phenomenal stuff. And so I just want to say thank you, Fatima. Thank you, Juanita. Thank you, Rita, for bringing all of who you are into this call.
Thank you all. I'm so thankful to have the three of you today. Um, you're listening to Collective Power, and today we had this conversation about healing fractals. And the main thing, idea that came up is that what really fosters healing is often overcoming fear, working on trust, and asking for what we need. And we can do this at all levels in our life. We can do this in our personal lives, in our organizations. And when we do that, we create clusters of people that are able to seed that transformation and that healing for our country and for our world. Thank you for being with us. You're listening to Collective Power. Tune in next week. Thank you for listening to another episode of Collective Power. If you'd like to be a guest on our show, recommend a guest on our show, or write for our upcoming Medium publication, feel free to contact us at collectivepowermedia.com. You can also become a supporter and help us offset the costs of making the podcast for as little as $3 a month. To do so, go on our website at collectivepowermedia.com and click on the button that says Donate, Become a Supporter. Thank you for your courage to see the bigger picture. And until next week, drop the mic.